All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Hunter podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jay Nickel. So we are currently in the truck heading north to go bear hunting. So if you hear some background noise, that's just me driving. So for anybody who listened to the semi-live goat hunt, we're essentially going to do the same thing here that we did um, for that hunt. And that is, I'm going to do my best to audio document the hunt over the course of the week, you know, a couple of times a day. I'll turn on the recorder, give my kind of updates, how the hunt's going, and try and do a blend of Sorry, I'm passing a train with screeching brakes on right now. Just crazy. Um, And try and do my best of blending kind of some technical hunting information with some more, the more like qualitative explanation of what's going on for me in the hunt. Now, typically on the channel, I try and focus on, on really physically challenging and mentally challenging hunts. And I don't want to say that what I'm about to do is like a gimme hunt or there's no challenge to it. Every hunt is challenging in its own right. But this is not, you know, a particularly grueling hunt. I'm going to be staying in my buddy Jeff's house. You know, you really only hunt evenings. There's not a lot of big hikes. There's quite a few bears around. So I should be able to get in the mix every day. So it's going to be an interesting hunt to document because, you know, the nice things about those more challenging hunts is that, as Ranella would say, it makes its own gravy. It's pretty easy to keep it interesting because lots of weird and interesting shit happens all the time. Whereas on these hunts, it's not always the case. So I don't know. As usual, I'm just going to do my thing and hopefully it comes out interesting and if it doesn't then so be it so one of the things I wanted to talk about is how much I enjoy just getting to the hunt so I am about maybe 45 minutes north of Hope British Columbia right now it's 5:45 in the morning I left my place almost exactly two hours ago and this is a particularly winding stretch of road like you really got to pay attention there's lots of steep mountains everywhere and lots of really interesting things that keep trying to grab your focus and you have to pay attention to the road and there's maybe an hour or two of this and then we'll kind of pop out in Cash Creek and, and shit gets a lot you know flatter and more predictable and more straight lines less curvy lines but I love traveling to the hunt you know I was talking to my wife about this last night she was like I can't believe you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning to leave and then she said well yes I can because I know how much you like the drive and that is a big part of it like uh, getting in the truck with a fresh cup of coffee and a phone full of podcasts and a bunch of road in front of me I can't think of many other things that would be more enjoyable 
than that. So I do think there's, you know, I am somewhat envious sometimes of people who can hunt right at home or within an hour or two of home. But in the same breath, I'm also happy that I get my, my little drives. This is about a 10 hour drive and this is about as far as I'll do further ones in all in one day, but I don't like to, it's, it's really hard. Um, yeah, it becomes an exercise in self-discipline. Like how long can you sit in the truck and just keep the doors closed and your foot on the gas? The other thing is 10 days is reason, 10 hours is reasonable to do kind of in one push and then still hunt that same day. So that's the nice thing about bears is you typically hunt them in the evening. So I'll probably get into camp around four o'clock this afternoon. I got a couple stops I got to make. Going to stop in at Precision Optics in Quinell and see Omer and actually buy a new frame for my uh, Kafaru bag. And then, so that's probably going to take an hour because I want to, I also want to look at some rifles, a uh, little sneak peek at some content to come. I'm, I'm 99, 98% certain that over the winter, we're going to build a premium rifle on the channel. I don't, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet what I'm going to build, um, it's going to be a bigger caliber. Like it's not going to be a 6.5. It's going to be a mountain rifle. It's going to be light. Um, yeah, that's about all I know at this point. So I'm going to check out some stocks while I'm in chatting to him. But yeah, anyways, I love, I love the adventure. And even though I've driven this road probably a hundred times, I used to live in Quinell and we go back and forth to Vancouver and Vancouver Island where my mom was living at the time frequently. Um, I still love the road. I love putting on miles. Um, and I like doing it by myself. I like being in my truck. I like it quiet. Although I will say long road trips are definitely easier with a buddy, especially when you can trade off driving every couple hours. Um, so the other thing that I was thinking about last night that I wanted to touch on was not only was I excited to get on the road and just, you know, start traveling, I was also excited to go hunting. And it's like, I said to myself in my own head, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to kill a bear. And then I thought to myself, would, is it okay to say that out loud? And I don't know if it is okay to say that out loud. Like, here's the fact of the matter. It is exciting to me to go and kill an animal. And I think it needs to be okay to say it just like that. Because in today's society and social media and all this stuff, everybody's trying to like soften hunting because you don't want to offend this person or that person. And I think you might be better off having an in-depth conversation and explaining where you're coming from instead of like losing all these words that we need to, to convey or communicate what it is we love. You know, like I think the word trophy has been bastardized to the point where it has all these negative connotations and you can't, you can't talk about, you know, trophy bucks and, and trophy hunts and, and mounting your trophies because people think you're, this is the thing that infuriates me the most is like, 
oh, as long as you eat what you kill, that's okay. But if you're one of those sports hunters, oh, that's disgusting. And I'm always like, who are these mythical sports hunters that, that everybody talks about? Like, in their mind, there are these dudes who travel to Africa all year. They're just like mega rich guys. And this is a mythological fucking being. They, they, they run, you know, mega billion dollar companies. And then they enjoy just flying to Africa a couple times a year and senselessly killing animals. Um, and that that's these sport hunters. And it's like, I've been hunting a fairly long time now. And I, I like to think I know a, a really diverse set of people within the hunting industry. I have no idea who these people are. I don't think like these people don't actually exist in reality. I, I don't know many people who go to Africa personally, but I've heard lots of podcasts with like really in-depth reviews. I've, uh, I've looked into and researched a couple people. I'm thinking Corey Knowlton, um, specifically because he had all the hype around him with the black rhino for 400 grand and the Dallas Safari Club and all that. And here's what I think people don't understand about these people who go to Africa. A, if it wasn't for the funding generated through the sale of African hunting opportunities, the vast majority of megafauna would either be extinct or extirpated from the vast majority of their natural home range. There is no or very minimal governmental funding for that type of stuff in Africa. It all comes from hunting. And what infuriates me even more is that when you look at the books of an organization like the Humane Society, which is you know one of the largest anti-hunting organizations, or PETA, you will not find you know, large donations or large sources of funding aimed at directly helping these creatures that they supposedly want to protect. But when you look at, at hunters, like I personally, through the purchase of hunting tags in my province and memberships that I pay for every year with organizations like the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance, the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia, Wild Sheep Foundation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, directly supports the conservation and welfare of these animals that we love to hunt. And the same thing goes for these, these animals in Africa. And what I've experienced, and I'll admit it's, it's limited, I don't have a bunch of friends who have enough money to go over there and hunt, but like, from the people that I've been exposed to in the interviews that I've heard, you know, take Corey Knowlton, for example. Okay, guy comes from money, that, that's fine. He comes from some Texas oil money. Um, but like that dude is without a doubt, a passionate big game hunter. And he, he loves hunting big game and he wanted a new experience. And he was willing to put, I think it was 400 grand on the table to go hunt this black rhino. And there was all this big uproar because there wasn't many of them left. And what people don't realize who didn't do the research is that the male 
black rhino that they put up for auction was well past breeding age and was actually killing or, or severely injuring the other males that were coming into breeding age. So this rhino had to be put down. Like that, that part of the discussion was over. This rhino is gonna die. Now, do you wanna send somebody out there from you know the 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 who works for that particular area, you know, they don't really have I'm trying to think like wouldn't be a warden per se, because most of them are, are private, privately held um, game sanctuaries over there. But okay, whatever. Send a local professional hunter in and pay him, you know, a day rate to go kill this black rhino. Or do you want to allow the generation of almost a half a million dollars to be directed towards the future conservation of these black rhinos and have somebody else who's willing to pay that money come in and do it? Like, I don't even understand how this is a fucking conversation. Like, that to me is one of those things that is so simple and so straightforward. And if if PETA or the Humane Society or one of these other anti-hunting organizations honestly cared that much, then outbid the guy. You go pay uh, $401,000 and then have somebody go euthanize the rhino because the rhino's got to die anyways. Um, anyways, all of this is a, is a bit of a tangent because I think in our effort to tailor our communication so as not to offend the non-hunting kind of population, which I do agree with in principle. I also think we're in danger of losing part of what it is that makes hunting such a vital part of life for so many of us. Like, it is a necessity in my life. Like, I need these trips like, okay, if there was some act of God and I could no longer hunt, I, uh, I would find something else to take its place. But what hunting gives, gives me in my life, you know, the sense of peace, the sense of well-being, uh, an element of mental clarity, a sense of purpose, a sense of challenge, an ability to get in touch with parts of myself that I didn't even really know I had, an ability to spend time by myself for extended periods of time and get to know myself on a, on a deeper, more fulsome level. Like all of that stuff that hunting gives me is a necessity for me to be who I am and to operate as I operate and to perform at the level that I'm, that I'm trying to f- perform at in my life, with my family, with my business, with my friends. None of that would be possible or it would be severely hampered if it wasn't for hunting. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves and with the people we communicate with about what hunting is. And it is the active, fair chase of a living creature with the intent of killing that creature, taking its life. Fact. And even just look at the word, like, when was the last time, and be honest with yourself, that you were talking to somebody who wasn't a hunter or you were making a post on social media and you said, I just killed a bear or I just killed a deer. And it's like, you just don't see it and you don't hear it. It's like, I harvested, what are we, farmers? Harvested 
uh, or I, I, I took a deer. And it's like, well, where did you take it? Or I, I got a deer. Well, where did you get it from? You know, it's like, and I don't want to, I get it. I'm not advocating like the glorification of the more sensational elements of hunting. But what I am advocating for is like an honesty about I do find it challenging and exciting to kill an animal. That's a fact. And I think every hunter would agree with that if they're honest with themselves because it's like, if not, then why are you doing it? Like the whole, listen, there's better ways to go get organic protein. And if you don't find it, you know, viscerally exciting in some way, shape or form, I think you're missing the point. Like I think that's the element that gets us back in touch with that primal part of ourselves. Like that's when I feel the most alive. And no, that's not, that's not all of it. There's obviously more parts slowing down here, coming into Boston bar. Obviously there's, there's more parts to it than that. But I, I think our community does a really good job at communicating the other parts and being honest about sourcing organic protein and the fact that it's highly regulated and you know the adventure part and like I do think these are well communicated elements of our culture but I would like to see it socialized and normalized that it's okay to be excited and enjoy the the chase and the actual killing of an animal. Like I think it is a very natural part of our existence. And I think when you do it the right way, you know, fair chase, really creating challenges that are representative of your skill level. You know, if you know what you're doing, don't go be chasing button bucks. You know, you want to pick animals that are like I said, representative of your skill level. And this kind of goes back to the trophy part of it later. And I did a big rant about this on one of my other videos, but I'll just quickly touch on it here. How that word has been bastardized is that what it was supposed to mean and what it does mean to people who understand that word is that a trophy animal represents that upper echelon of the species. And what you're saying when you go after a trophy animal is that I have evolved to a certain point as a hunter where it is only fair now for me to chase the oldest, craftiest animals. The side benefit from a conservation perspective of this is normally that means you're taking animals who have already impacted the gene pool. Like they've already bred for multiple, you know, seasons and are probably on their way out, if not already out of breeding age. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, the holy grail. You know, take deer, for example, would be you know, a buck that is in that, you know, the couple of years between coming out of breeding age and then starting to regress when they're, you know, obviously not 
in their peak performance anymore. But and I don't know what that would be for most bucks. Eight, nine, like maybe you know, probably even younger to to some degree. Like if you were, you know, nobody would bat an eye at, at killing a six or seven year old buck. That's a pretty solid accomplishment for most people. Although I would also agree they are still in you know, breeding years, but they've also had a couple good ones behind them. But that trophy element was supposed to indicate that you were restricting yourself to only targeting the animals that posed the greatest challenge for you, because that's where you were as a hunter. And I don't know why that's not okay. Like, I don't know, I don't know who, like a trophy is meant to celebrate an accomplishment that was of such a degree that it's noteworthy you were able to execute it. You know, that's why I, I kid around with my daughter all the time, but I'm like, there's no fucking participation medals in this family. Like, if you get a trophy, it's going to be meaningful. It's going to indicate that you were able to do something that is of, of note and regard. And that's what I feel about and I haven't had many of those. I'm going to be honest with you, like maybe even only one to be to be fully transparent. I think even the elk I took with my bow, that was a trophy hunt to me because going where I went, you know, first big game animal solo in the backcountry, like that part of it elevated that challenge to something that was just inside my zone of proximal development. But that's an interesting concept as well. Let's let's unpack that for a moment. What is the zone of proximal development? It's a psychological concept that describes basically the area under the curve or the the list of activities that are within an acceptable level of challenge. So this comes up a lot in child psychology or childhood education. And in order to advance children as quickly as possible or to be as efficient as possible with curriculum design, you want to have tasks that are at the upper level of what they're capable of accomplishing. If the task is too hard for them to execute, they won't learn anything because they'll just give up. And if the task is too easy, it will be too close to stuff they already know how to do and there won't be any new learning. So the goal, the, the perfect task is that task just inside what they're capable of. That area of tasks, if you were to put it on a graph, is called the zone of proximal development. And I like to think of that in hunting terms or when I'm, when I'm planning hunts or thinking about hunts I want to go do or where I want to go, I'm thinking, okay, what is my zone of proximal development? Like for me, what is that thing that's just inside my level of incapability, if you will? But that is what a trophy is supposed to commemorate. The fact that you were able to accomplish something that was extremely challenging for wherever you're at. I mean, if you've just started, and you got a five foot spring bear, fucking A man, that is your trophy. That is your thing to commemorate what you were able to accomplish. Cause I guarantee that was not an easy task for you. Now, if somebody took you out and held you by the hand and kind of spoon fed you, that's a 
an, an item for a future discussion that I almost, you know, I do find somewhat frustrating. But if you went out, you know, relatively speaking on your own and you kind of figured things out and you were able to put one down, that deserves commemorating. Whether, you know, it happens through a picture, a hide, a mount, however you choose to do that for yourself, I don't, I'm frustrated by the fact that we can't use the word trophy to describe that element of hunting. And that kind of dovetails in with this whole, it's not okay to get excited about killing an animal. Um, because that's like, it would, it, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It, it draws attention to, to maybe a, a part of ourselves that people don't want to admit exists. Like, there are things that we get joy from in life, a variety of things, we don't need to get into all of them, that are, some are acceptable and some are borderline unacceptable, and I'm not going to judge what people do behind closed doors, but I think recognizing that that we do receive you know, an element of pleasure and an element of growth and like a sense of self-worth from those types of pursuits, I think should be on the table for discussion. And I think we should, you know, not be so quick to close the door or to remove those words from the, the hunting vernacular. Because this is one of those things like that is really frustrating me about current society. Like words just keep getting removed. Like, oh, you can't say this anymore. And you can't say that anymore. And it's like, you can't remove concepts from psyches, whether that be the psyche of the society or the psyche of the individual. Like people are gonna still think what they think. Now you're just living this like fabricated reality because the word doesn't exit somebody's lips, the thought's not on their mind. And I think it doesn't fix anything to not let people use words. If there are, like, let's look at racism and homophobia. Yeah, I think there's words that, that people shouldn't say, but I, I want them to not say them because they feel like it's an inappropriate descriptor for the people that they're referencing because of their own kind of morality and value systems that they've developed. I don't want them to not use those words because they'll be punished somehow by society. Anyways, as usual... I'm going on a way longer rant than I intended on going. So let's let's wrap this up. The whole intent here was that last night when I was thinking to myself, what am I actually excited about? I'm excited about the drive. I'm excited about the adventure. I'm excited to see my buddies when I get to camp. And I'm excited to put a bear, you know, in my sight, in my bow, and in my rifle. And I'm looking forward to that moment when I can pull the trigger because that is the culmination. And maybe that's what I'm driving at. Maybe that's why I've been having such a difficult time. Like, why is it that it's pleasurable? Why is it that it's exciting? And it's because that is the one moment in time that is the representation of all of the effort and all of the work that went in beforehand is that moment when you lift your pin 
or you lift your sight and you see that animal in the crosshairs and you and you pull the trigger or you pull the release and it's like it's one discrete moment in time that is impossible to achieve without all the other shit that comes before it and I find that very exciting and I look forward to it and I want that to be okay to talk about. So yeah, that's all I got. So, like I said, I'll do my best to keep you guys in the loop. I will try and keep this philosophical rants to a minimum. We'll try and stay a little more focused on hunting. And let's go kill some bears. All right. Well, that is an end to day one. Um, It was a long ass day. So did the entire 10 hour drive. Also stopped in to see Omer at Precision Optics. Bought a new Kafaru frame because I wanted to transition from the tactical to the duplex light. Shaves a pound of my pack weight off. Stopped in Prince George. Picked up some groceries. Made it all the way out to camp pretty uneventful everything went well and then went out and hunted for the night and let me try and paint a picture of of where I am and what's going on so I'm a couple hours outside Prince George basically in the foothills of the mountains along a pretty major river so I'm hunting a lot of flats I would say I'm in a mixed-use area There's some logging, there's some ag, there's some ranch, there's some real scattered residential, like, you know, interesting people, to say the least. And where I went tonight was kind of one of my favorite spots to hunt. It's this big meadow. And I've been, I was there quite a bit last year, lots of action in there last year. And you basically, it's about a half an hour hike in, and then I kind of set up in this one corner that enables me to glass the rest of the field, and the wind is pretty favorable. And the interesting thing about this field is that the bears can really come from any direction. Uh, And so your head's basically on a swivel the whole time you're in there. So, What I typically do is set up the tall tripod so I can stand and I put the spotting scope on that and I just basically scan these 360s across the meadow and then also back the trail that I kind of hiked in on. And then taking breaks from that, I'll just sit and pass some time and then I'll also just use the binos to kind of spot check key areas where I tend to see bears come from more often. There was less sign on the way in than I'm used to. I bumped a small cinnamon, like real small, kind of shaggy. At first I thought it was a dog, Um, but a beautiful, like a bright cinnamon coat. And he was just off in a ditch line on my way in and I bumped him. And then, yeah, got in, got set up, did my thing. The bugs were insane. I don't typically get bothered by mosquitoes. Like they can be around and they don't really frustrate me. But last night was crazy. I don't typically get bothered by 
mosquitoes, but tonight they were absolutely insane. Uh, just crawling all over the backs of the hands. And what I did is I put my raincoat on. They couldn't get through that, but they would still kind of climb into the hood and get in my ears. And yeah, it was bad. I, I contemplated pulling out a couple times. I should have took a. I should have taken a thermocell with me, but unfortunately I didn't. So anyways, I muscled through that. It was bad, but it was tolerable. And then maybe 7.45, I looked back up the trail I'd walked in on and I saw a somewhat decent looking black bear. It was hard to really judge because I just kind of caught pieces of him as he was moving through the grass. And the way he was headed initially, it looked like I was going to be able to make a play. It looked like he was coming out kind of towards me but on an angle and I, I grabbed my bow and I went and got set up where I thought he was going to come out maybe hung around for like half an hour looking and, and seeing if he was going to come out someplace different and he was just he was just gone didn't so I didn't know where he went so I went back to my glassing spot and then maybe it had to be a, it was almost nine o'clock. I want to say 8.45 or nine because it gets dark around 9.30. And because there's so many grizzlies in the area, I didn't really want to walk out in the pitch black. I wanted at least some dusk light so I'd be able to see if there was anything worth worrying about. And then way down the field, like probably a mile from where I saw this bear enter the timber, the same bear that I saw originally comes out into the field and he's just cruising, not running, not panicked in any way, but just walking with intention, which is something you don't normally see bears doing. That's why I'm noting it. They're normally kind of these meandering creatures that like take a couple steps, look around, look over here, unless they're like, you know, blown out or spooked. But he was just moving, man. We went all the way across the open field, which is probably a half mile wide up there, I want to say. Something like that, maybe a quarter mile. I don't know. It's hard to judge. And hit the other side of the timber and then started working back towards me. I got some decent phone scope footage of him. He's an okay bear. Like, uh, I would have taken him archery. Um, he had a real nice coat on him. Uh, but not a, not a gigantic bear, not what I'm looking for, not the old mature boar that I'm, that I'm trying to smoke this trip. So I definitely didn't want to shoot him with the rifle. I also didn't want to be dealing with the bear carcass at dusk when there's grizzlies in the area. So I decided I'd just watch him, get some phone scope footage, gave him a pass, but that was interesting anyways. And then that was, that was really all that, all that happened. I ended up packing up, headed back to the house, had a good dinner of some elk sausage that I brought up, um, and some wedges. I mean, that's the nice thing about this hunt. And I, you know, I guess it's important to get into that too, is that like every hunt is a little bit different and they don't all have to be these crazy backpack ball busting, you know, adventures where you think you might die. And I think it's important to have some hunts where you're with friends and my buddy Andrew's here from Edmonton who I met last year up here and Lander's here obviously. So it's good to like just hang out with the bros and, and chill a little bit.
Now, plan for tomorrow. It's mostly only evening hunting up here. That's really when the, the older boars come out to play. So Jeff really recommends not doing too much during the day because you just end up blowing areas out for no reason. So chill out during the day, relax. I'm going to get caught up on some work and then head out for an evening hunt. I don't think I'm going to go back to my field. I didn't really see the action that I wanted to see and I didn't really see the sign that I wanted to see that really would convince me that the bears that I were hoping were going to be there were going to be there. Um, plus, it's quite wet in that field and I think that's a lot of what's contributing to uh, the higher density of mosquitoes. And so I want to give that a day or two to dry out. Maybe I'll go back in there, you know, mid to late week. There's another area that I can drive to that's a bit more like driving around, cruising and glassing type of thing that I think I might check out tomorrow night. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet, but anyways, that's the update for day one. Still early in the game, still lots of time to make it happen. Uh, it's nice to be up here. It's nice to chill out. Beautiful area, super relaxing. All right. That's enough for today. All right, well, we are officially hunting for the evening of day two. As I mentioned in my previous update, I, uh, I did decide to switch up plans. And by the way, if I sound somewhat distracted, I'm kind of slowly cruising to the area that I want to hunt tonight, and I'm looking for bears as I go and actually just turned up a smaller black bear about 10 minutes before I hit record on this thing. And I'm just going past, there's a little pile of shit. And I'm just going past where I saw him walk across the road. Definitely wasn't the caliber of bear that I'm looking for. Just a nice little guy, but it's good to see that there's action and that he's out and about. So anyways, like I was saying, Sorry, I gotta get my map out here. Like I was saying, I made the executive decision to switch up game plans. I didn't see the sign that I was hoping to last night in that field. And I also heard there's been a shitload of grizzlies in there recently. So what I decided to do was actually come over to a different road system and kind of do a lot of cruising, try and cover some, try and cover some more ground. So the game plan for the night, and I've been on this road system before, and it's basically like there's a, a fairly significant, there's another big pile of shit. This is good. This is looking better than it was last night. I think I made the right choice. There's basically a fairly significant network of roads back here, all logging roads, and I'm going to cruise uncruise them and i'm gonna shout out to zach logan uh, who actually gave me this tip and i think it's it makes a lot of sense when i typically would cruise roads i would try and cover as much ground as possible and just cover everything once and try and cover more new ground and he said his tactic is to find like three spots that seem to have good traffic like he's reliably seeing shit at three different spots on a regular basis. And then basically just bounce 
back and forth between those three spots all night, which I thought was a really good idea because it's pretty reliable that the bear is going to come out at his spot at some point in the night. Uh, it's just a matter of when. So that's, I'm going to kind of slightly adapt my strategy here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to still cover as much ground as I can tonight. Now, the nice thing is last year when I was here, every time I ran into a bear, I snapped a point on Onyx. So I do have a couple of locations where there did tend to be bears on a repeating basis. So in addition to that, I'm going to, I'm going to look for areas that have at least like a few big piles of, of relatively new shit and then put those on my Onyx and then maybe come back in here tomorrow night and ping pong back and forth between those locations and see how that works for me. So, like I said in my other update as well, this is a really enjoyable hunt. Like, just cruising around in the truck, cruising logging roads, looking for bears, listening to podcasts. And I think one another tip I can give, because I've done this a lot, is that, like, you're not trying to get anywhere. So as soon, like, I, I'm at least a half an hour from my intended destination. And I'm still cruising at like 20 kilometers an hour. Every time I come up to a blind bend, I slow right down. Um, you never know when you're gonna see a bear around the corner, even on what is typically a busy logging road, like these little bastards will cross anywhere. So as much of a tip as it is a note to myself to exercise some patience, chill out, take my time, and just see if I can turn up a bear. So yeah, that's the game plan for tonight. Stay tuned and I'll keep you updated. So just cruising along, it's still pretty early, you know, 7.30ish, still got a couple hours left to hunt. It's been a bit of a slow night. Turned up a couple bears, but nothing particularly noteworthy. But I just stopped to take some pictures of this kind of extracted bridge just sitting on the side of a logging road. And it reminded me a thought that I used to have a lot when I was in forestry. And it seems particularly poignant right now, given all the protests that are going on because of the old growth logging. And I'll be the first to admit, there's definitely some logging that has occurred and continues to occur that is not the most sensible. And I can see why it's controversial. But there's a couple points that I think need to be made. Number one, the vast majority of access to remote wild places in British Columbia has been granted through the construction of logging roads. Think of any of the wild places that you like to go or you like to recreate, and I guarantee that 90% of them never would have been accessible if it hadn't have been for the push of logging roads. People forget this. Like, there's no money in letting people go camp someplace. There needs to be a financial incentive in order to create access. Then once access is created, you know, you can incentivize maintenance in different ways. But 
I never see any of the, you know, old growth logging protesters, you know, showing appreciation for the logging roads they use to go on their kayaking trips and their overnight backpacking trips and, you know, all of, all of that stuff. And I just, there's another side to that story that unfortunately doesn't get told particularly well. Um, the other note about old growth forest, I've laid out old growth forest on Vancouver Island, um, is the people who complain about it getting cut down. It's like, well, where are you before it gets cut down? Cause I'm here to tell you the vast majority of that old growth forest that you're complaining about it getting cut down is an absolute hellhole. No one in their right mind would spend any time there. While I think it's important to protect certain things just so they're protected, I think there's a limit to that. I mean, if you go too far, now you're just a hoarder. Now you're just protecting things just to own things and just to say that you have them and that they're there, but you're not actually utilizing them. I think a more effective philosophy is, is kind of what BC does. On the whole, you gotta give, I think they do a pretty damn good job of outlining areas that have, you know, multi-use interest and saying, okay, we're gonna, you know, look at the Carmona Valley. All right, we're gonna stay out of here. We're gonna give you this area. It's, it's accessible, it's attractive. People wanna go here, people recreate here. We'll protect it. Okay, great. Pick some other key areas like that and protect it. But I'm gonna be completely honest. The rest of this shit, man, you know, Industrial resources are important to the success of our country and the success of our province. And I am pro-responsible logging. No, I don't think we should rape the planet. But like I said, I was in that industry for 15 years. And if you had any idea the obstacles that you have to clear, it takes months, sometimes years, to get permission to go log some of these areas. You have to have resource management plans. You have to have sensitive environmental area management plans. You have to show that you have taken into account the different species that utilize that area and how they're gonna be affected. You stream assessments, geological assessments, terrain assessments, like it's crazy. People think you just rock up you know, with a chainsaw and a pickup truck and start nuking shit. And it's like, that is not what happens. You know, in most cases, it is a minimum of five years from the time when somebody just looks at the side of a mountain and be like, we should probably, you know, access some of this timber to the time that timber is on the ground. It, it takes a long time to get that stuff pushed through and it has to pass through multiple layers of approval from multiple different stakeholders. Anyways, that's not really the point of this whole rant. The point was just that I am particularly appreciative of our logging roads in British Columbia because if we didn't have them, we, we wouldn't get to go on these adventures. And it's like, you have no idea the type of expenses occurred by TFL owners to maintain these roads. And they might only use them once every couple years, really like the spurs. Um, and they still have to keep up the main lines and all that other kind of stuff. And it's cool that I'm just tripping around right now in the middle of nowhere. Like haven't seen a living soul since I left the main road at like 5 PM 
you know, it's a really cool experience enjoying what BC has to offer. And it just, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the efforts of, of the logging companies. So yeah, I just wanted to hop on and say that. Time to keep looking for bears. Well, that's a wrap for day two. Definitely had a little bit more excitement tonight than last night. A little while after my little logging road rant, I uh, came around a bend, saw a decent looking boar on the right-hand side of the road, got out of the truck, looked at him through the rifle scope. He was 175 yards. He was good size, but not, you know, not something I'm looking to kill with a rifle. That's for sure. So <clears throat> he kind of walked up the road a little bit more and I couldn't tell if he deked off into the woods or if he had um, stayed, you know, inside of the ditch line. So I tried to make a play on him with the bow. Um, I got to within 90, 85 yards, let's say, and had a clean shot. I came to full draw, just wasn't feeling it, a little further than my comfort zone. So I let down and then kept stalking him and I was able to get within 60 and came to full draw. And the moment my pin settled, he booked it and yeah, ran off into a cut block. So, and it's funny, you know, I've said this many times before, but even when you do everything right in hunting, you still need that little five to 10% luck factor in order to seal the deal. So interesting takeaways. And I wanted to talk a little bit about stalking black bears, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about stalking other animals. And in my experience, and I'm not the most experienced guy in the world, so if there's other hunters who, who know more than I or, or who have conflicting experience, I'm, I'm all ears and I'd love to hear about it. But in my experience, stalking black bears is a little bit different than say stalking a mule deer. Uh, I think you need to be a little more aggressive and take opportunity when they present themselves because if he's not looking at you like if his head is down and he's eating or if he's walking away from you you can be quite aggressive and and here's why I think it's important to be aggressive black bears spooking I find is more of an issue of mood than circumstance for instance Anytime a deer sees you, it's going to run away, 100%. Now, depending on the species of the deer and the circumstances, the runaway might look a little bit different. You might get a look back. You might get a pause. You might get a, like a run 10 feet, stop, look again, then run the rest of the way. Like it, it, it manifests in many ways, but, the, but at the end of the day, a deer knows its prey. And when it senses danger, it runs. Bears are not the same. Bears are predators. So depending on their mood and, and partially the circumstances, when they look at you, they could decide not to run. They could decide to run at you. They could decide to hold their ground or they could decide to run. And I think if you're too cautious, when he does notice you, if you're not in a place where you can take advantage of a shot, 
and he decides he's not afraid and he stands there, well, it doesn't do you any good because you're not going to be in a position to make a play on him anyways. And if he does decide to run, it's not really going to matter if you're cautious and take your time or if you're aggressive and you go up there because um, he's going to bowl either way. Because here's the other interesting part. You are... When you're doing this like logging road stalking, this is not like your typical, um, you know, alpine mule deer situation or even a, a, an alpine bear situation. Like you don't have a whole lot of cover. You have minimal choices for roots. He could just be feeding and walking and go off into a cut block. So you have limited amount of time. So I think of it somewhat differently in that the way I think about it is getting the situation to come to its natural conclusion as quickly as possible. So either he's gonna run or he's not. And if he's not, I wanna be close enough to shoot him when he decides not to run. So therefore, I tend to stalk black bears pretty aggressively and pretty out in the open. Um, it's worked out for me in the past um, quite successfully. So it's what I keep doing. And the other thing is, it's like, you don't wanna sit around Fuck, this road is terrible. Sorry for all the background noise, but I'm driving this washboard fucking piece of shit road. <laughs> Anyways, um, and I'm probably just trying to go a little bit too quick. I'm kind of tired and I want to be at home, to be honest with you. So you don't have a whole lot of options at your disposal. And I, I kind of believe it's a game in numbers. Like the more stocks you get in, the more likely you're gonna find the right bear in the right circumstances and be able to close the deal. So I'm trying to get through those numbers kind of as quickly as possible. So anyways, had a good stock, got to within 60, wasn't able to close the deal. Um, and the funny part is on the way out, I ran into the exact same bear at the exact same spot. Now I didn't really get an opportunity to make a play on him because he was on the left-hand side of the road he saw the truck, I stopped, I just sat in the truck and I didn't move. And once he got used to the truck, um, he just walked across the road, but then without even pausing, he just hit the ditch line and walked off into the timber. Um, that's the other thing that's a little bit different about bears, even just, uh, you know, if you come around a corner a little bit too quickly and you've driven a little bit too far or they notice the truck before you wanted to notice the truck, just sit in the truck. Just sit in the truck and wait. And as long as the truck doesn't do anything particularly aggressive, nine times out of 10, the bear is just gonna go back to business as usual. And then what I normally like to do is wait for him to go around the corner naturally, like just meandering on his way then I can open the truck and get out. Here's another rather counterintuitive tip. If he's in within sight of the truck, don't shut the truck off. Because, and I, I, I could be just speculating on this, but I think the change in noise is what alerts him to danger. And as long as like the low rumble of the engine just stays, he doesn't feel like anything's changing. You know, last year when I shot my for I didn't see the bear until I was within 40 yards of him in the truck and I stopped he was looking right at me I left the truck running 
opened the door with the truck running, got out, opened the back door, got my bow out, ranged the bear, and then shot the bear while standing directly beside the truck. And, but I, but I left the truck running the entire time. And that's, that's further to my other point about how they don't act like prey. Like that's pretty aggressive. You, there's no way you're gonna pull that shit off with a deer. Um, and that's why I recommend being more aggressive when bow hunting bears. I think it pays off in the long run. I'm sure there's the odd stock that I blow because I'm being too aggressive, but I think over the long term, statistically, I'm, I'm gonna be more successful being more aggressive than less aggressive. So anyways, that's that. Um, yeah, I saw him one more time, wasn't able to make a play. And then maybe about another two kilometers down the road, I saw another bear and also wasn't able to make a play. I'm kind of thinking for tomorrow night, I might just play that one stretch of road because it had by far the most shit and the most bears for sure. And good looking bears, like both those boars that I saw tonight on the way out, I would, I would happily shoot. The second one actually looked, could be really big, but I, I didn't really get a super good look. So, and that's the other thing with fine with bears. I find when you first lay eyes on them, you're like, oh, it's a big boar. And then once you're able to pick them apart. Also another trick for sizing boars is if you can't see underneath them, it's really hard to judge the size. I find bears look big when they're standing in grass, but then as soon as you can see underneath them and you realize they might have kind of long skinny legs or their upper body isn't as thick as you thought it was, that's when they, they kind of lose that illusion of size. So anyways, I'll talk to Lander when I get back to the house. I'll see what he recommends to go do tomorrow night. But if I don't hear any other better plan, I'm gonna come back and just work this one strip of road because it was it's the most productive thing I've found so far by a, by a long shot. Um, tomorrow is a bit of a shit show. I actually have a conference I need to go attend virtually. So I rented a day room in Prince George. I'm going to bomb to Prince George in the morning, do this conference thing. It's over at two 30 bomb back out, get changed and then hit the evening hunt. So it really won't mess with my hunting at all. Cause we don't usually leave the house till four or five anyways. Um, but it will. It's just a lot of extra driving uh, that I'd personally rather not do and I'd rather just be chilling out at the house or there's a bunch of kind of gear review stuff I'm trying to get done while I'm while I'm up here. Um, I'll get into the details later but this is the first hunt that I've brought the NL Pure 12 powers on and I gotta say I am just blown away. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give more detailed feedback, but I also want to say the forehead rest is a game changer. If you get those binoculars buy the forehead rest, it's way smaller than you think it is. It's totally going to fit in your bino case. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving those binoculars to the point where I'm pretty sure I'm going to sell my Zeiss tens. I just don't see a need for them with what these 12s are able to do. All right, that's the night. We'll pick it back up tomorrow morning. All right, welcome to the beginning of the evening of day three. So ran into town for the day to attend that conference. Was able to make it back to the house in pretty good time. 
uh, and I'm back out on the same road system that I was cruising last night. I've been out here for about a half an hour already. Actually, I was pretty focused on just getting out here in good time, so I didn't want to waste time doing updates or recording anything. Also, when I drive full speed on these logging roads, I'm fairly certain the mic sounds like shit, so I was trying to get to an area where I'd be going slower. So, game plan is I am essentially going to cruise the same system of roads that I did last night. However, I'm going to focus my attention on kind of a smaller subsection of the system instead of trying to cover as much ground as possible. Out of everything that I drove last night, I really got the most action on kind of one main section. So I'm going to time it. So first what I'm going to do is go just try and glass a section without driving through it and maybe even just sit back a ways. I think I can sit up top and glass down into this flat and maybe even just sit up there for like 20 minutes or half an hour and hopefully catch somebody coming out to feed before they see the truck. That would obviously be the ideal scenario. And then if after that first half an hour I don't see anything popping up, then what I'll do is kind of drive through it. There's another couple roads after there I can go take a quick peek at, and then I will I will come back through there. And in fact, I might do that two or three times and just space it out by like 45 minutes each time. This goes back to that um, theory that my buddy Zach was sharing with me the other night that he prefers to pick a couple hot spots and just bounce back and forth thinking there's a, a better likelihood of, of seeing them where he's seen them before. So that's going to be the general game plan for the night. Now, day three of a five-day hunt. So I'm kind of, this is the hump day. So I'm still going to try and knock one down with a bow tonight. However, if I'm unsuccessful tonight, I will probably switch to the rifle for Thursday and Friday because... Um, I really would like to take some bear meat home. Freezer's getting pretty low. Also, because there's no American clients and there's not that many people hunting out here, the bear numbers are getting pretty out of hand, given that this is, this is two years in a row without a lot of hunting pressure up here. And uh, the moose calving numbers will start to take a hit. So that was the other thing when Jeff asked me up. He's like, you know, feel free to, he'd appreciate it if I filled both tags. So that's kind of the other angle that I'm, I'm coming at this from is um, I'm not really going to have any, any other opportunity to hunt bears the rest of the year. So I might as well fill both tags because I think it's a responsible thing to do. So, But we'll play it by ear. Um, I got good action last night. If I can get a play of similar quality tonight, you know, I just needed another two to three seconds at most. And I feel like, you know, I probably could have put that bear down. Now, I've been driving around quite a bit tonight and I've seen nothing, but I'm also out here almost a full hour earlier than I was last night. Now, part of the reason is I drove a lot slower coming up to this section because I wasn't sure where I was going to really see bears, but after driving it there and back last night and never really seeing anything of note, on the way in or the way out, I decided to just kind of like bomb in and then really start to slow down once I hit the area of interest where I was seeing more action last night. So that saved me some time. And plus I just generally left the house earlier tonight. So 
yeah, that's really all that's going on. Pretty chill. Listen to some podcasts, cruise some logging roads, and hopefully turn up a bear. Well, folks, that is it for the evening on day three. And that is possibly one of the slowest nights of bear hunting I have ever had. I ran into a sow and two cubs really early on, like within the first hour. And then I did not see shit the rest of the night. Absolutely nothing. And of course, now I'm wishing I had gone and sat in the field. But of course, because what I did do didn't work, I wish I did something else, not rocket science. I do think that after tonight, though, I think the safe play for tomorrow is to probably go sit in the field, even though I only did get that one bear right at 8.30 the other night. This is weird, man. This is slower up here than than it's been previous years. And it was funny because I know the other boys are seeing more bears. Um, and And in general, the bear hunting seems to be very good. I just bumped a bear while driving. But it's too late. And it's too dark to do anything about it. Shit. He looked all right, too. I mean, technically, there's still 10 minutes left of legal shooting light right now. It's 9.50. Sunset's at 9.30. You're allowed to shoot up to half an hour after sunset. But, like, there's a difference between legally being allowed to do something and ethically choosing to do it. And the light right now does not support safe hunting practices. It also just doesn't support like the kind of assurance that I'd like to have if I was going to pull the trigger on something like you want to get a good look at it and you want to make a, you know, a clear objective decision. And you just, when it's this dark, you're just not, that's just not going to happen. Things are too blurry and yeah. That's funny though. I always try and take points too. Every time I run into a bear, I should take one right now. Um, just cause then it kind of helps me piece it together. Like where, where they are and that is I still am on that same stretch of road that I've been on that I targeted tonight you know I'm not at the exact location where I spent most of the evening but I'm definitely on that stretch of road that I that I wanted to spend time on tonight He looked okay again. I think that was likely based on where he was and what he looked like when he was running away. I think that was likely the bear from yesterday that I came to full draw on at 60 yards. I mean, pretty close to where that happened, like maybe half a mile away. And he looked to be of similar stature when he was running away. 
I'm also tired as shit right now for some reason. I think part of it is the drive into PG and back today. Um, and being in that conference all day has just melted my mind. I feel like passing out right now. Um, yeah, so game plan for tomorrow. I think I might do an afternoon sit. At least then I would feel somewhat productive. Potentially, you know, erringly so, but still might feel productive nonetheless. And then maybe just go sit the field in the evening as well. I can't really say I've got any better options at this point. Could go sit the stand in the upper field, but that area is kind of notoriously bad for Grizzlies and the Grizzlies seem to be particularly bad this year. I, yeah, I want something where I can cover some more ground and check out a couple, a few different areas. Anyways, I'll put on my thinking cap when I go have dinner with the boys and see what their game plan is for tomorrow. Might be nice to go hunt with somebody else too instead of just sitting by myself all night. We'll see. All right, stay tuned. More to come. All right, afternoon day four, and we're going to switch things up a little bit. I just finished up about a half an hour um, target practice because we're going to switch to the rifle full-time for the last two days. The primary reason being this opens up to this new country that's not great for archery hunting, but we've seen some big bears in there over the past couple days, so might as well go have some fun with the rifle and see if we can smoke a giant bear. Uh, so I, I came out, did a little target practice. Gun is shooting phenomenally. Um, I am going to do a bit of an afternoon cruise, which I know I said we don't normally do up here, but when it gets to the end of the week and you're kind of running out of time, you will kind of exhaust any options. But I'm not gonna walk around going to three different areas tonight. Um, two kind of fieldy areas and one more kind of road matrix section. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow out any of the areas this afternoon. What I am gonna do, because it's been a while since I've been back here, I just wanna re-familiarize myself with the area so I know how I can get in there with the least amount of disturbance. So I'm gonna go do a light recce of the three areas. And if I'm lucky and something pops out, yeah, I'll take advantage of the opportunity, but I don't really expect anything to happen. Significantly warmer and drier today than it's been the last couple days. And I think that that might be a good sign. It might get them up and moving. The only caveat being we are in peak rut, so they should be out and about, but if they've already soughed up, that could kind of reduce their movement a little bit. But the only way to tell is actually just to go out. And I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be some, some boars out on the prowl either way. So that's the general game plan. Light afternoon recce, head back for maybe 3.30, get a meal in, get a fresh cup of coffee, and then probably leave 4, 4.30 and come back out and sit for the evening and maybe just rotate through all three spots or, or pick one depending on what I see this afternoon and, and just stick with it. So. The other really cool benefit of switching to rifle is that it's gonna make it a lot easier to get it on film, which is always super cool. Not a necessity of taking lots of kill shots off film because I was given the opportunity and 
I look at getting something on film as a bonus. It's not, it's not a necessity. But where the, the two locations in particular that I'm going tonight um, are, are particularly well set up for filming because I can get there early, I can set the spotting scope up, and the way they're positioned, I'm going to be able to see the bears come out and I'll have lots of time to kind of get ready and take my shot. So that's the game plan. Day four, two more full days to go. Here we go. Well, this afternoon has been extremely enlightening. So I went to the, those two fieldy areas, didn't really see much, got a game plan for tonight, and then decided to go check out this road system that I haven't been on in a couple years. I've seen four bears in the last half an hour. One kind of decent one, two definitely small ones, and one very large boar. Now, the unfortunate part is that all four of them, the instant they saw the truck, they just booked it. And that's kind of unusual. <sighs> With bears, you'll usually at least get a second look or if you don't get out of the truck or don't move, sometimes they'll just look at you and then go back about their business if they don't feel threatened. And you kind of, you, it's kind of, you're banking on a reaction like that when you do this cruising a log and road type of deal because there's really no other way. Like you're not going to see them too much before they see you. Just that's the nature of the beast. However, I am thinking, depending on how tonight goes, what I might do is come out here and ride this on the e-bike early afternoon because I saw that big boar almost right at 3.30 and it looked like he'd been out for a little bit. So I feel like if I started at the bottom around three o'clock and just kind of slowly made my way up here, I might. Sorry if I sound a little distracted. I've turned around kind of at the back end of this road system and I'm now making my way back down and I'm just cru cruising really slowly and glassing as I go. I've taken points at um, all the locations where I've seen bears. And now I'm just kind of making my way back, hoping they might've come back out after I spooked them. This is a big philosophy of Jeff's. He firmly believes that when you see one, especially if it's a bigger one, just wait or back out and come back later and odds are the bear will be back on the road. So yeah, great afternoon. Definitely feeling a little more invigorated, a little more optimistic. Um, got a game plan for tonight and a game plan for tomorrow. We'll get this done. All right, well, it's the morning of day five, and day four was interesting, to say the least. Um, I am going to do my best to kind of recount everything that happened yesterday. Uh, it was a very long night. I didn't get home and to bed until one o'clock. Lots of interesting stuff, so I'll do my best to make as much sense of it as I can. Uh, so... Last update, I'd cruise that log and road and my plan was to go back to my field and work the evening hunt. So I did that, 
parked maybe say quarter to six might have been a little bit a little bit earlier 5 30 quarter to six something like that geared up um it's maybe a three four hundred meter walk through this kind of first section of field and then you get to this vegetation break and and then there's another kind of equal size field on the other side and my goal was to get to that veg break and then walk down that whole thing maybe another couple hundred yards and then post up at the end but as soon as i got to the edge of the veg break i took three or four steps and i just kind of turned my head and looked at the opposite end of the field from where i was heading and I just saw this kind of big black head kind of coming towards me. And I was like, oh shit. So dropped everything, set up the scope, put eyes on him, looked like a good bear. So once I decided I was gonna make a play, I set up the phone scope so that I had a good chance of just leaving the bear in frame. And then I belly crawled, maybe, I don't even know, 75 yards or something like that. The problem with shooting these bears in these fields is that it's perfectly flat and the grass is like a good six to 12 inches high, even higher in some spots. And when you lay prone, you just get a scope full of grass and you can't see anything. So you've got to find these like little knolls and berms that'll give you the line of sight you need to the bear. So I was able to kind of suss out where one of those were, belly crawled all the way over, put me in line for a 160 yard shot took it, starched him. He just dropped instantly. Kind of rolled around a little bit after that and had some twitches and stuff, but essentially just dropped him. Uh, it turned out I did spine him. I was a little high and a little back from where I wanted to go, but I was actually aiming high front shoulder anyways. Um, a lot of people have problems with, with, with shooting bears and they don't stop and they, they, they don't fall over dead and they, they run away and you can't find them. It's thick brush, they're black, it's terrible. And I'm super paranoid about that. So my game plan the whole week was if I used a rifle, I wanted to smoke them in the front shoulder because even if it's not an instant death, you're gonna drop them in their tracks and you can put a second bullet in to end it quickly. So that worked out perfectly. Now I didn't, wasn't supposed to drive in this field, so I had to drag the bear probably six, 700 yards back to the truck. And that was pretty grueling. Um, I probably should have gutted them, but there's grizzlies in the area and Jeff likes to hunt that field. And I just, I wanted to be as thoughtful as possible. So I, you know, fuck it, I'm a big dude. So dragged him all the way back to the truck. By now it's about quarter to eight. So I hop in the truck, I bomb out to service just so I can text the boys and say, bore down. It's only, you know, two minutes away. As I'm doing that, I cross this second field that's on the way to the main line and bump a really nice bore. And that's the other thing I should know. The first bear I shot, it was smaller than I thought. I'm still more than happy with the bear. I'm glad that I shot him. Uh, but I didn't take enough time and look at his face. I would have noticed he was a bit on the younger side. He's still a decent, you know, boar, but he's not the old grizzled guys that I would prefer to shoot. Um, nice color face too, kind of like a rich reddish kind of hue. Um, anyways, I bumped that bear. So I go out, I text the boys. I, and then I decide I'm going to go hunt the same field, which to be honest with you, 
It's not the best move in the world. The fact that I just shot a black bear, there's grizzlies all over the place. But I thought to myself, I'm already here. I'm sitting in the middle of a wide open field. I got line of sight, four or 500 yards completely around me. So I go back in and I post up like 10 minutes goes by and I hear this brush snapping and snarling and I look up and right across the field, there's a giant grizzly. So I'm kind of firing on all cylinders now. I'm a little bit concerned, obviously. And uh, he just kind of walks away into the timber. And then I'm going back, I'm glassing. uh, And then I hear this like splash, 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 splash. And I look up and there is two grizzlies sprinting towards me, full clip. So... Immediately, I pick up my rifle, and then I realize they have no idea I'm there. And they're not so much sprinting as, like, jumping and playing. I think the word we used last night was frolicking. Like, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And for the next three minutes, I watched this boar grizzly chase this sow grizzly all over Hell's Half Acre. Like, they must have covered... They must have ran two or three miles in the 10 minutes that I watched them just in a straight, if you had to put it in a straight line. Like they were bouncing all over the place and running fast, jumping high. It was nuts. So, I mean, Rut just must be in full swing and he's just chasing her around and she's loving the attention. I mean, it was crazy. I tried to get it on phone scope and I couldn't because they were moving so fast. Every time I would swivel the scope, they would already be out of frame. Anyways, after that happened, I was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm out of here. That three grizzlies with inside of 20 minutes, it's like, I'm done. And especially because they were being so irrational. I was like, man, those things could just decide to sprint over here at a moment's notice. They'd be here in 30 seconds. And they're so rutted up, they probably wouldn't even be scared of a bullet anyway. So I'm like, I'm, I'm out. So I walk back to the truck. And by now, it's been about an hour and a bit, maybe an hour and a half since I bumped that black bear in the front field. So I thought to myself, he might be back. So as I'm driving out, I actually glass a bear about a mile up the road and he's walking right towards me. I get off the road and I glass him maybe for like five, 10 minutes and he just ends up sauntering off into the timber just on the far side of the field where I'm, I'm going to recce. I get back in my truck, drive up the road, get about 100 yards shy of the field that I wanna, that I wanna recce and stop the truck, Bring my rifle, but I didn't bring my spotting spotting scope and I didn't bring my bipod. This is some foreshadowing. So I get to this front field and I'm looking to my left because that's where the field is going to open out on first. And I'm just creeping and tiptoeing and creeping and tiptoeing. And then finally, uh, I'm out in the field and I don't see any bears on my side of the field. And then I swivel my head and directly across the field from me, is a really good size jet black boar just munching away. Couldn't be a hundred yards away. So I'm like, holy shit. So I spend a few minutes fumbling around and trying to get him in my sights. And I'm still excited from the first bear and I'm shaking a little bit. And it's just, I'm just like, this is not a shot I want to take. I can't lie prone. I don't have my bipod. It's like, it's not happening. So I decide I'm going to go back to the truck. I'm going to get the spotting scope and the bipod. So I go back to the truck, I get the spotting scope and the bipod, I come back, I set the spotting scope up, I get the bear in frame, and then I do the exact same thing I do last time. Look for a little knoll, belly crawl over to the little knoll, 
get the bear insights, laying prone, super solid, click, boom, drop the bear instantly. Again, that front shoulder shot, takes him right out, walk over, put a second one in him just to end it. Bear dies clean. He's a beautiful black boar, uh, really nice, thick, thick hide, super round belly. Like he's not the longest bear in the world, but he's fat and he's big. So yeah, and by now it's almost 9, 9.15, like it's getting dark, so I can't even take pictures. I back the truck up, I, I throw him in. I'm pretty stoked, you know, double header, tagged out on bears. Go back to the house, tell the story to Jeff. And then he's like, okay, run up to the old field, this other field around here, the upper field we call it. Uh, there's a logging road past there, go, go gut them and then we'll hang them in the morning. Because again, I didn't want to dump the guts in areas that people were going to frequent or maybe hunt again next week because it's just going to attract grizzlies. And on the way up to this fucking field, I get stuck in like the mud pit of all mud pits. And I had to be, it was at least four miles from the house. It was far. And get stuck at maybe 1030, walk all the way to the top of the hill, hoping to get cell reception, get nothing, walk all the way back to the truck and then walk all the way back to the house. Get to the house at midnight. Jeff had some burgers ready, sat down, ate some burgers, went up to the truck, winched it out, got home for one o'clock. So it was a long day. And now I got a bunch of processing. I got to go. I got to go and do because I got two bears. I got to hang and I got to process. So I'll check back in. That's, that's it for this bear hunt. I'll check back in on the drive home with some kind of afterthoughts once I've had a chance to digest everything. Pretty excited, pretty satisfied with the hunt. Um, I do like rifle hunting. I prefer bow hunting, but like this is pretty fun and being able to get the shit on film is pretty cool. I'm really happy with both my bears. Yeah, big shout out to Primitive for the hospitality and let me come up and stay in his place and everything. I love coming up here. This is three years now I've hunted bears here and I've gone home with bears every year. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for more. So yeah, I'll do another update on the way home, but until then, cheers. All right. Well, I suppose it's about that time to drive home the end of the hunt recap for starters. I'm going to use this recap for the podcast and for the film. So if you're listening to this on the podcast and you haven't seen the film, go watch the film. If you're listening to this on the film and you haven't listened to the podcast, go listen to the podcast. Now, I thought something interesting to talk about might be what my actual goals are with these films. Because you can there's you can probably tell I'm no Steven Spielberg. Like there's people who put a lot more effort into the cinematography and the production elements and in fact I would probably bring somebody else with me if that was the ultimate purpose I think first and foremost I just like making things so I like documenting the hunt Um, I think maybe something different that I'm able to do that I don't see a lot of other people in the industry doing is digging a little bit to the motivations and like the emotional and the psychological stuff that goes on 
And then also, I'm, I'm not an expert hunter by any stretch of the imagination, but I also try and dig into the technical elements as well. So that if there are things I know that can help other people, I'm happy to share those and try my best to do that. So it's kind of interesting because this hunt is not, how do I, how do I phrase this? It's not that it doesn't fit with the other hunts that I do. It does. But typically on my channel, I almost think like what I specialize in is those like really hard, kind of crazy hunts. And the thing about those really hard, kind of crazy hunts is that they make their own story. You know, like going into the mountains by yourself for a week to hunt goats is not something that you have to make interesting. Just turn the camera on. Shit's gonna happen and if you're honest about kind of where you're at and what you're thinking about, it's going to be interesting to people. Stuff like this black bear hunt there's a whole lot of not interesting shit that happens. I mean, for starters, you're only hunting a few hours a day. It's not a physically challenging hunt. Um, you're kind of limited to where you can go. There's not a there's not as much strategy as as some more of the technical hunting that you see people doing. But here's the deal: um, I love this hunt, man. Not only do I love hunting black bears, which is just a slight digression something that has really grown on me. Like the first time I went deer hunting, I loved it. I saw a deer, I wanted to shoot it, it was amazing. The first time I went elk hunting, exact same thing. Bear hunting was something that had to grow on me. And now I'm at the point where the more time I spend doing it, the more I love it. Um, Anyways, I digress. I love this hunt for kind of all the things that make it not what my other hunts are. I like the fact that I get it to hang out with Jeff and Andrew every night back at the house and have Jeff make fun of me and, you know, have, eat good food together and not have to worry about a backpack and sleep in a little bit and help out around the house. And um, I like that I don't feel as pressured on a hunt like this as I do on some of my other hunts because I feel I feel more comfortable maybe, I feel more confident, I don't know. Um, and I don't even know where I'm going with all this except to say um, I think it's important, well let me back up one step. Depending on how integrated you want hunting to be in your life and how much time and energy you want to spend doing it, I think there's a benefit to having hunts like this on your hunting calendar. I'm going back home now after being gone for a week. I'm relaxed, I'm refreshed, I'm recharged, I'm ready to hit the ground running Monday morning. I'm eager to see my wife and my daughter. Um, and it was a week away hunting that does that for me. And when I come back from some crazy ball-busting adventure, that's not always the case. A lot of times I'm emotionally and psychologically drained. And what I take away is my vacation time. I end up coming home almost worse for the wear. My wife used to get pissed at the beginning. Like those first few years when I just kept failing at elk hunting over and over and over again, 
I would come home in a mild depression and I would be like that for a month or two. It was just that failure again and again and again. And she was like, you got to get your shit together because it's not okay that you take off for a week, sometimes two weeks. I got to take care of the house. I got to take care of the kid. And then on top of that, you come back and you're kind of a dick. (laughs) And I was like, you make a lot of sense. That is not fair. And I've actually really started to pay a lot of attention um, to that so that I'm, I come home in the right mindset because she does deserve that. She doesn't deserve you know, me coming home like a dick because I'm pissed off because I wasn't able to kill an elk or whatever the case may be. You know, it's interesting. Normally on these drives, I'm full of these kind of profound thoughts that I've had over the course of whatever hunt that I've just been on. And I just realized I don't have anything. I just feel kind of content. And maybe that's the theme. Shit doesn't always need to be super challenging and shit doesn't always need to be super deep. Sometimes it's just okay to get away for a week, hang out with some buddies, shoot some bears in some farmer's fields, come home with some meat and a nice hide. And that's as complicated as it's gotta be. So that's all I got. All right, up next, Big ass sheep hunt, where we're gonna get real profound, we're gonna get real backcountry, and shit's probably gonna get a little western. So, excited for that, that's gonna be mid-August. And until then, just training, prepping, running the podcast, doing some gear reviews, and the same old, same old. So I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, thanks for tuning in.